Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Where can you get the best medical information anytime, anywhere? Right here on The Smartest Doctor in the Room. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Mitchell. You know, in the past podcast, I've had several top experts discussing their views on the healthiest diets. And as all of you know, it's the holy grail. Nobody still after centuries of medicine knows what's the best diet. You know, and it could be very individual. I've had actually Walter Longo on, who was the researcher and author of the longevity diet. And Walter has done some really amazing research. A lot of it really focuses on the fact about restricted eating and fasting, which is not the most popular thing for most of us. Uh, I've also had Dean Ornish on, a big, you know, um, idol of mine in medicine, you know, and he really promoted, um, in the 1990s and still to this day, the vegetarian diet for reversing heart disease and other inflammatory diseases. And finally, you know, one of the other guests I've had who I found fascinating was Barry Sears uh, and uh, his work on the zone diets. And he's published many books, many bestsellers on that. And in fact, if anybody wants to go back and listen, episode 43 was my podcast with him, which was really very interesting. You know, because Dr. Sears, it's very interesting. He, um, We'll get into this. You know, I think he originally uh, developed a diet to lose weight, and it was very successful at that. And then I think later in his career and his writing, he really focused on how his diet could help reduce inflammation in the body, which is a big deal these days. So today I wanted to revisit the zone diet. And it's funny, the zone diet, you know, again, sometimes it's flown under the radar with all the new fad diets. But in fact, I think I read this recently that Jennifer Aniston has been a devotee of the uh, zone diet. And in fact, I don't know why, but she wanted to name it the Jennifer diet. I thought, I guess, because she's so famous, because uh, it helps her keep her slim figure. But today I wanted to really go into the nitty gritty of how to follow the zone diet. I recently went back and reread uh, the book Zone Meals in Seconds, written by Barry Sears and his wife, Lynn Sears. Now, I also really enjoyed Lynn's style of writing. She, I think she was actually a journalist. So she was very funny and, and uh, it was just really enjoyable to read. It wasn't just a book about of menus. And um, unfortunately, Lynn passed away a few years ago and her daughter, Kristen, was kind enough to steer me in the direction uh, to find my guest today. She is Mary Perry, a registered dietitian and the director of the Inflammation Research Foundation at Zone Labs. Um, I have so many things that I want to learn from Mary today, the secrets to succeeding on the Zone diet. So with all of that, it's really my pleasure to welcome Mary Penny to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. It's such a privilege for me to be here, especially with that list of uh, interviewees you just uh, mentioned. Yeah, we, we, we really had a lot of top, top people and, uh, and the conversations are usually really good. And I, and again, I like to put my mind in the set of the listeners who are, you know, when you're, you're listening to a podcast, um, you know, it's nice to hear a, an intimate conversation with experts, and hopefully you want to have some takeaways. So, Mary, the first okay. question I typically ask my guests, you know, with some variation, is about their background. And, you know, most registered dietitians, I believe, follow the American Dietary Association guidelines, whether it's for heart disease or diabetes. I'm sure they have all these recommendations. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's a little bit what the typical dietitian would follow. How did you end up uh, get involved working with Dr. Sears and the Zone Diet. 
and then obviously these clinical trials. What what brought you to you know to get involved with this? Yeah. So, uh, so first off, I've always sort of been in the realm of, uh, you know, interested in nutrition. And to be honest, when I was applying for schools, I didn't even really know that dietetics and nutrition was really a career path um, that you could choose. And so I was sort of introduced to it when I was uh, looking at actually physical therapy and some other things. And my mom's like, you're so into this, you should really pursue it. And so, so I did. And I, I think I took a little bit of a different track than most because I ended up sort of down this pathway of research. Uh, so I, I went to the university of Connecticut and did my undergrad there. And then I stayed on and did my master's in taste research. And then after finishing that, I moved to the Boston area where I worked on a NIH study through Brigham and Women's Hospital, which was also fascinating because it was like 800 overweight individuals trying to figure out what the best diet was. But I learned so much about clinical research in that role and even just the fascinating element of working with people and the mindset around dieting and changing behavior and stuff. And um, during that time, uh, a colleague of mine introduced me to, to Dr. Sears. And what was fascinating about Dr. Sears is that you know, his backgrounds in cancer delivery and drug technology. Right. And he he really used that to look at how food can be a drug. And, you know, sort of with the, the dietetic background, you, you think, uh, you know, commercial diets are really more fad diets and stuff. But what really intrigued me um, with Barry was just how much research and validation is behind the zone. And some of these researchers, researchers he's been working with, like Dr. Ludwig, you know, and, um, and uh, Charlie Surhan on Resolvins and stuff. And he's working with some incredible researchers. And I think for me, that sort of sealed the deal where it's like, hey, here I can take all this research background. I'm with somebody who's who's clearly, uh, you know, in the research realm, but he's creating products to help people change their behavior. And then some of the funds from these products he's putting back into clinical research to, to help people. So it was really neat to kind of see the morphing of the commercial side with the with the research side. So, uh, and I've been with him now for, for 15, years. So it's, it's really been fun. And, um, he's just such a, an insightful guy to work with. He's always looking he's at the research and the science bright. and yes, he's, yeah. he's always ahead of the curve too. Um, no. which I enjoy. So that's yeah. kind of how I got to where I am. So just out of interest too, with the clinical trial stuff too. So are you essentially gleaning data from some of these clinics that are implementing the zone diet? Are you seeing patients yourself, uh, working with them? You know, um, how, how what's yeah, your so, typical day like? So typically, um, you know, we, we do a lot of research trials. Um, a lot of times it's just kind of collaborating with different universities where we'll sort of oversee the protocol, but they're really doing a lot of the research. Right. And then we're just kind of, you know, chiming in because we're, we're still a small foundation um, in that side. But it is kind of nice because the foundation can sort of fund these trials that maybe, um, you know, it's hard for researchers to get grants for at Absolutely. this point, or, you know, especially because a lot of what we do is high dose fish oil and, and people don't want to do too much of it because there's concerns. Um, and, and we have a little bit of wiggle room to do more being a foundation. So that's, you know, that's on the clinical side. But then I also just work a lot of day to day trying to translate the science of Dr. Sears into how to implement it in people's lives, you know, how to make it easier for people to adapt the zone and, and the science behind it. And he's established such a name that I think when most people come to me, they, they know that it's, you know, scientifically valid, um, which also makes my job a, a little bit easier. So it's just more in uh, dealing with people and kind of the psyche around changing behavior. Yeah, no, that's very important. I, I agree with you. I think that he clearly has that research bent and supports mm -hmm. his work, not just, you know, uh, fly by night, but right. by lots of studies. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, as I said, I just want to hold this up. I really liked, you know, his book with his wife. Yes. 
on oh, Lynn's own meals great. and seconds. Yeah, because yeah. I think again, Lynn had that humor. I mean, what I liked a lot too was that you know she really even in the beginning of the book mentions her own struggle and Barry's struggle. Because you figure yeah. a lot of times, you know, you see these people like, oh, since day one, they were following these amazing diets and staying super healthy. But no, she says, no, her and Barry, as they got a little bit older, putting on more weight, struggled mm -hmm. to take it off. You know, Barry yeah. decides he's going to kind of step in there and use his research brain. And Lynn's like, well, wait, we got to make this so that people enjoy it. And, right. uh, you know, and they're going to stick to it. So that that's what I really enjoyed. And I also love the uh, some of the beginning stories too of even if you talk to Kristen, you know, Barry bringing home some like prototype bars and her sliding them yes. under the cushion of the couch because yeah. they just were awful. And <laughs> so all the little kinks that you work yes. out to get where right. you I could see like yeah, he could be the mad scientist and she's yes. the one like, hey, like, let's Barry, yeah. let's get this, you know, so yep. people will enjoy it. Yeah. He's probably kicking himself sometimes. You know, some of these people like, I don't know, um, Kind bars, which I don't even think are the healthiest things. I mean, these things became multi-million, billion-dollar companies. You yeah, know, yeah. I was even fish oil. You know. Um, well, really, yeah, I want to get to that too. With yeah. The, so, what I want to break down today a little sure. bit, and I think we'll start with the with the weight loss component because, as I mentioned in the introduction, obviously. A lot of diets, but especially the zone diet, it got its claim to fame by getting people to lose weight. I mean, I know that's sort of the holy grail, although there's, we'll get into it deeper. There's a lot more than just losing weight to, right. to really being healthy. Right. Um, but one of the interesting things, which I, I think even before Atkins, or maybe they were around the same time, contemporaries, the zone diet promised to help people lose weight. Mm -hmm. And... I think, you know, my opinion, and or not just my opinion, but what Dr. Sears mentioned in the book, it's this whole response around blunting insulin mm -hmm. and portion size, you know, matters and the breakdown between protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And, you know, again, as contrast to some of the other people I've had on the, on the show about timing of meals. Mm -hmm. So take me through a little bit about the nuts and bolts. Yeah. Let's say you have a you have a person comes to you. They're forty pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. They heard, oh, I heard Jennifer Aniston lost you know thirty pounds. She looks amazing on the Zone Diet. You know when mm -hmm. she off on holidays, she went. She was drinking and she gained the weight. And People Magazine happened to catch a picture of her. You know having ten pounds yeah. extra fat. And now she's like, okay, I got this movie coming up. But what would you again? How is what's your approach to uh, a patient? Yeah. So first of all, I think it's it's good to also take it a step back a bit in the sense that, you know, when, when Dr. Sears wrote his first book in, in 1995, he really talked about the zone and, and what the, so when I think there's a difference between the zone and the, and the zone diet, you know, the zone is really like this, this physiological state in your body where insulin's controlled and you're controlling these pro-inflammatory hormones. And then the zone diet is, is just like one pathway, uh, you know, to get to this zone where your, where your blood works in the ideal range coupled with, which I know we're going to talk about the, the supplements and stuff. And so, you know, the zone diet is really, um, it's really an anti-inflammatory eating plan where you, like you said, you have this balance of protein, carbohydrate, and fat at each meal. And, and you're looking to keep, um, insulin in range. And, and once you keep insulin in range, you get all these benefits. It's not just weight loss, but it's less fatigue, more, you know, more energy. Um, 
and, and really like wellness and longevity, you know, it, it's always interesting to me. Some of the, the people I talk with or, or some of the, the, the zoners, as we call them, I mean, they're in their eighties, they're not even on a medication or maybe they're on one medication and their blood work looks great. And their cellular inflammation scores in the ideal range. And, you know, they've been with Dr. Sears since the first book and, um, and it's really changed their lives. So I think, you know, you start out with, with people who are really interested in, in weight loss and getting the weight off. And then what you'll see is as life goes on, people come back to us because they realized how healthy they were following um, the eating plan. So, so weight loss is, I think that's the first thing, you know, people kind of think about weight loss and wellness, but then there's also this longevity disease prevention, you know, component too, that, that comes with all this. Well, what's their expectations? They said, you know, and you hear a lot of different things and people of course love when they lose seven pounds the first week, right. and we all know that's not necessarily very healthy. Right. So when you are approaching with a patient that's mm-hmm. struggled. And they said, I know, they say to you, Mary, I've tried every diet out there. I've tried yeah. the Atkins diet. I've tried the South Beach diet. I did mm-hmm. this diet da, da, and I always fail. Yeah. Or I do it for a short period of time and I get better. You know, I lose some weight. So what 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 do you set as their expectations? And you, yeah. know, you, tell them you have to be 90 percent good with the program, 100 percent. I like to really start with where people are at. And, and this is where the dietetic background comes in. It's like one right. small change, one small change a day. And usually the biggest change for people is adding in protein at each meal. And it doesn't have to be much, you know, it could be egg whites in the morning, but I think that's where most people are failing is they're just not getting protein at each meal. And, and once you get protein, you realize that you get that satiety, you can get to your next meal, you have more energy. And I always just tell people start with that simple change, you know, get about the palm of your hand in protein. So whether it's egg whites in the morning, Greek yogurt, yogurt, cottage cheese, you know, and then add some, you know, healthy carbohydrates with fruit or whatnot. But I, I think protein is usually the biggest uh, thing that I have people start with, because I think that's one of those things you, you automatically start to feel that difference um, from not having processed carbs or, or even people who don't eat breakfast. Like that's a big thing. Well, I want to get to that. It's like, but it's really interesting too, because one of the things I spoke to Dr. Sears about, and it may have been on the podcast or it might've been after, I don't remember. I used to tell him, you know, a lot of times when I get finished work late at night, seeing patients, sometimes it's 730 at night. And so it's like a late meal and I don't like eating heavy, but, and then I sort of have a little bit of a bent for uh, vegetarianism, especially at night, you know? And so I was telling like, sometimes I would eat these veggie burgers from beans, whatever, and some salad. And I, and I thought I was being really healthy, but I would find that I was ravenous like at two in the morning, you know, yeah. and that I was so hungry. And then I would get up and eat again, which obviously wasn't good. And he says, Dean, you know, you're not having enough protein. You know, you have it's too carbohydrate heavy. That meal. So I, I think that's an important point that you're bringing out. So I, I even keep it in my mind too. Like even when I eat a salad for lunch during the day, which I enjoy because I, again, I don't like a heavy, heavy meal when I'm going mm-hmm. back to see patients. Yeah. But if I don't have that protein in there, I'm hungry. Yeah. And absolutely. Uh, you overeat or you're, you know, you kind of crash a little bit, whatever it is. So, okay. Yeah. And even um, like, a, and just to go back to that point, and it doesn't change much. Like, I'll walk out of the well, house with like a small apple and a cheese dip. You know, it, it's really okay, not well, a ton. You yeah. Know? So, okay. So the key is having some protein. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a lot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, okay. So we're going to get into some specifics because sure. I said, I really want to do the nitty gritty for people. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, okay. So let's talk about this first. We're, we're going to go a little bit meal by meal sure. now. And I'll, I'll bring out some of, you know, the contrarian things from other Absolutely. people I've interviewed. And, you know, so maybe we'll get a little consensus here. So, for example, um, you know, Dr. Longo, who I've interviewed, and, and one of the other people he's very close to is Dr. Andre Michalis in Germany, who's very big on, 
on restricted time eating, mm-hmm. they typically say, you know, it's good to eat within a eight, you know, eight hour window, the rest of the time not to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's better for your body, cleaning your cells, et cetera. And essentially they say, you know, probably the easiest thing to do is to skip breakfast. Okay. Um, I've interviewed, who was it? The other person that said, they said breakfast is so important not to skip. Um, and again, Dr. Sears says in his books and a couple of, you know, saying within an hour of rising, if you haven't been eating, it's important to have breakfast. So tell me about breakfast. Why is it important again to not skip it? And what what's, give me a couple of examples of a good breakfast, you know, for most people, obviously, depending on what they like. So if you think about it, breakfast is really break the break the fast. Right. And so the you know, if you're if you're skipping breakfast or you're waiting until, you know, 11 or 12 o'clock, your body is starting, you know, your cortisol level levels are starting to rise and then insulin is starting to rise. And, you know, wait, wait, sorry. To get, why is your your cortisol is rising if you haven't eaten because it's stress stress? Yep, it's from mm-hmm. stress. And so that's okay. really that's really the importance of getting even just something small. It doesn't have right. to be anything crazy, but right. that that's why it's really really important. And and if you look at the the time restricted eating studies and the fasting, you know, there is obviously so many benefits of calorie restriction, but even the zone is a calorie restricted diet. So you're going to get those same benefits. You're just eating at a regular pace so that you're still getting insulin control. Um but you know, it's it is really important to to eat within that hour. Your body needs it. It's just come off the fast. And I think even Dr. Sears would agree, Hey, if, if your last meal is, you know, before it gets dark, like that's a good time to just stop for the evening. Um, you know, even he's kind of adapted a bit with some of the newer research studies, but you know, it's still, you still want to have that, that frequency. I'm just curious. So you made me think of this. I never thought about it before. Cause you know, a lot of people always go back to what was it like back in paleo days when, you know, yeah. when people were so healthy and they weren't so healthy back then and food was scarce. Right. But where did the three meals a day come from? Does anybody, I'm just curious if you know, does it have to do with what they think with satiety and, and you know, things like from, that too? You know, and I, from Dr. Sears' standpoint, it really comes in from, from insulin control, you know, just always having that steady state of a blood sugar, because after that time, then you start to, you know, uh, kind of break down your stores, looking for other energy. So it's really more, the timing really comes from being able to kind of keep that blood sugar balanced. Because, you know, I one other thing I saw in this book, and it's probably in his other books, too, it's really fascinating because he, he and I, when he, he was way ahead of me, we both read the same article back in, must have been the late 1980s, early 1990s, because I know I was in residency when I saw it, was a, an article by Melvin Connor. And I just want to tell the listeners about Melvin Connor. He's kind of an interesting guy. He was an anthropologist at Embry, very well-known sort of medical anthropologist. And he was one of the original people who published what he could tell what the Paleolithic man ate. And Dr. Sears cites that as one of like the aha moments for him in developing the zone diet. What was interesting, Melvin Connor went on to go to Harvard Medical School, but he hated medicine so much, he went back to teaching medical anthropology at Emory. He said he had enough of real life medicine. But I mean, I just, I, I just try to picture my mind. I, I can't imagine like Paleolithic man saying, okay, it's lunchtime now. Uh, I hope right. there's a, a rabbit around to, yeah. to have a little lunch. I hope nobody's against rabbits. Um, <laughs> so, but anyway, okay. So it's really has to do, I mean, you brought up the key point, the cortisol response, which again, for patients to really understand when we're stressed, our cortisol goes up, mm-hmm. you know, Triggers a lot of bad things happen, triggers yeah. a lot of inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what would be some typical, 
you know, for, let's say for myself, you know, and I, I know, again, because I follow a little bit like the zone program, what would be some good examples of uh, what you would consider a light but good healthy breakfast? Yeah, there's a lot of different things. Um, so one, you could do just even a fruit smoothie, you know, add a bunch of berries and stuff. We always balance it with some kind of protein powder, just because obviously fruits are, are carbohydrate. Uh, right. But that's a great, that easy, is good. you yeah. know, yeah. So fruits, you know, so you you don't just, you, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no go ahead. So I was going to say, so, okay, because sometimes people think of smoothies as like, wow, yeah, you eat some fruits. And again, you have to be careful what you put in there. Mm -hmm. That's going to be high glycemic. That's going to put weight on me. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously, like I say, if you put it, I like to put a little like half a banana, not to go overboard. And but bananas are high glycemic foods. So that's they still are. a... Yeah. So the I so I probably maybe Leave not the banana, banana but uh, the banana. but I probably okay, no, people we all have to negotiate with patients <laughs> and myself because it makes it really taste it's, good. You got to choose you got to choose your battles. I, you know right. bananas do make a, a shake fix, so I, I I do understand that side of it. But uh, yeah, but usually berries, even throwing in Greek yogurt. I mean, you get twenty grams of protein in a cup of Greek yogurt, have, so you could have throw a that scoop in. of peanut butter or almond butter too Great. to thicken it up. And we always, yeah, and we, obviously Dr. Sears loves monounsaturated fat. We always just have a little. It's not always like an excess, yeah. but yeah, throw in, you know, protein powder, some berries and you want to a feel little bit full. of peanut I mean, butter. You want to of feel course. right. You want it to carry you through. Yeah, you don't want to eat yep. and then say, turn around and say, you know what? Oh gosh, I'm still really hungry. And then you feel even worse because you feel like you've had two breakfasts. Okay. Yeah. So a smoothie is good. What else? Smoothie's good. So steel cut oats. Another great thing, you can make them ahead the night before. Um, you can throw in some berries. You can also throw in some protein powder. You can have a couple egg whites on the side. So another great That's choice. That's another really good thing. Yeah. Now, okay, and, and what is, again, the big difference between steel cut and, I don't know, fast cooked oats? What, what, what's just, the big difference there? Just really the glycemic side of it. You know, really? they, they, yeah. So just the, there's been more there's processing more, that yeah. happened to make them cook quicker. So, um, you know, so the, it, the okay. steel cut is a little bit, you know, I, I tell people probably not to do the quick oats, but you could do the old fashioned ones that maybe are three to five minutes versus having to wait 20 minutes for the steel cut oats mm -hmm. to cook. But mm -hmm. it's really more the, the shorter the time period, probably and, a little bit more higher glycemic. And one of my new favorites now at some of the places is those overnight oats. What's the big yeah. benefit with that? So they soak them overnight. Yeah. And what yeah. does that do? I also think there's some resistant starch that happens. So there's, mm. you know, they say that's a little bit more filling and stuff. Plus not for nothing. It's just so much easier to like grab and go, put them in a mason jar, you know, top with fruit and nuts. And it tastes great. Can, I, I yeah. became addicted to these now. Yeah. Yeah. So those are all good. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, and what about regular eggs versus egg whites? Cause we could get into this later on too. Cause Dr. Sears, one of the things that he doesn't seem to really focus on it, like the way like Dean Ornish does about cholesterol, you know, maybe mm -hmm. it's not such the enemy that we think it is. So let's say if somebody wants to have like some scrambled eggs, mm -hmm. you know, uh, would that be okay? But avoid the toast. I mean, what's, what's the, yeah. give us like the person who likes eggs and a little bacon. So yeah. So we end up, we usually tell people to go with egg whites. Um, if they're going to cook them, you could have maybe one egg, but the, and I know we're going to get to this, but egg yolks, um, contain, they have, I know they have a lot of vitamins and stuff, but they also have omega six fats in them, which are known to be a, more pro-inflammatory. So uh, we typically tell people okay. to avoid the arachidonic acid in the egg yolks, just because we know where they get, they're getting it in other places in the diet. That's, that's fascinating. So, you, you know, cause again, people don't always understand. So you think potentially, or Dr. Su Sears thinks that the uh, the omega six in the eggs mm -hmm. is the problem. Now, a lot of times, students, suppose you see a lot of these eggs advertise whatever I don't know, grass fed chickens, you know, mm -hmm. whatever high in omega threes. Is that yeah. possible, or can they yeah, really? I, I don't 
think that the source, the, the one thing with omega threes, like, uh, is that if you're getting them through, which is still a great source, like your nuts or flaxseed, right. you know, it takes about one, one, only one to 10% of those omega threes are converted into EPA and DHA, which are where the known benefits or the anti-inflammatory mm. benefits from omega threes come from. So it can't hurt. Um, but at the same point, it's not going to probably give you the most bang for your buck in terms of omega threes, but again, not, not a bad choice. Okay, so the the regular eggs, if we're concerned for patients who are really trying to lose weight, don't want inflammation, keep it to at least one, try to do a supplement with egg whites because yeah. we're worried about the pro-inflammatory issues. Right possibly the cholesterol, but I don't know. There's, right. always a, big, there's a big debate about that, that people are eating absolutely. eggs, their cholesterol doesn't go up at all. It's, it's crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, yep. again, that's like one of the instances where, you know, the, uh, the canonical teaching of, oh, the, you know, eggs are bad for you, you know, mm-hmm. I think gets confusing. Yeah, and that's where it's like everything in moderation is sort of sort of where we lie. That's always the best way to go. <laughs> you know? I, trust me, I've I've been to all the extremes. I tell patients that I, I always tell people, you know, I had trained at Dean Ornish's program in 1994. I'll never forget this. I was a few years into practice, out of residency. I was a little disillusioned with my medical practice at the time because I just felt like God, there's got to be a better way. And I went out there and I was really smitten with the stories and and what he was doing. And I came back and I was a really strict vegetarian for about five, six years. And I have to tell you, and I tell patients this, because I'm not not against vegetarianism, but it was really bad for me. Mm -hmm. I had a very stressful job in my practice. Um, I ended up losing a lot of weight and I was kind of thin at that time to begin with. So people Mm -hmm. thought I was sick. Uh, I was losing hair and my skin was dry, you know, and I I wasn't supplementing with vitamins because Dr. Ornish wasn't really focusing that. You know, again, remember his focus at the time was on a lot of these people in their fifties or sixties who had significant heart disease, and that wasn't me at that time. So, mm-hmm. anyway, it's yeah, food can be have a very profound effect on your health. Absolutely, that, that's the that's one of the takeaways. Okay, um, the other thing which Dr. Sears, you know, gives the go ahead for, which would be very contrary to some other programs, which but it's kind of nice, is snacks. He's a big guy. Snacks are okay. Like snacks. Yep. The so hormonal touch-up, as he calls let's it. Let's talk about, yeah, oh, hormonal touch-up. Okay, so let's talk about, uh, you know, for example, I guess I'll use myself because might as well get some benefit out of this. So if I'm having my breakfast at like eight in the morning before I get in my car to drive to New York City to mm-hmm. see my patients, you know, I have my oatmeal or I'll have a couple of scrambled egg whites. And then I get to my office at, you know, whatever, 9.30, 10, I'm getting seeing patients and like 11, 11.30 hits. And, you know, I want my brain to be working at full capacity for my patients. What's, what, the, what are the snacks that Dr. Sears and you would recommend to patients yeah, uh, so, to keep them focused? Yeah. So I think it's something as simple as if you're, if you're doing dairy, a, a cheese stick and a clementine or a cheese mm-hmm. stick and a small apple, you know, you get a good balance of carbon protein. Um, it could even be like a plain, you know, Greek yogurt, uh, you know, that's got, it's lower, uh, it's lower glycemic, but it's got a lot of protein with it. Um, and even the ones like, um, uh, you know, Chobani has, um, a pretty good balance in terms of the carbs to protein for some people still it's too glycemic, even though it like looks on the Mm. label, it has like a good balance, but just anything where you can get that protein to carbohydrate. Some people will, um, you do hard boiled eggs, scoop out the yolk and replace it with hummus or guacamole, um, you know, or like deli meats or just things that you can kind of, you know, wrap them in like romaine lettuce and take on the, you know, put in the fridge at work. Okay. So I want to hit on two points here, which are important. 
because a couple of things that you're saying, which is kind of interesting, you know, there are certain diets and especially in the holistic community, like where I, I'm, I do functional medicine, you know, cheese is like the yes. enemy. Okay. Yes. So I want to hear from your end why cheese is not a bad food, you know, cause we hear a lot of things, you know, cheese is processed. There's a lot of salt. Obviously there's a lot of protein. Yeah. Um, you know, and we, we tend to associate cheese with gaining weight. Mm -hmm. So why does Dr. Sears and yourself feel that it's okay to have these like snacks? Yeah. So to the, to the same point, everything in moderation. Um, but I think, you know, what Dr. Sears really feels about dairy is one, it has a great zone balance in terms of the protein and carbohydrate. Uh, okay. So that's a big, that's a big thing for us in terms of the balance. But the other thing too, is he always recommends, he really thinks that the issue with dairy comes down to lactose. Um, and a lot of cheeses, the lactose is already converted into lactase. So it's not as big of an issue. Um, same with, you know, yogurt too, but uh, you know, with the milk, he'll always recommend, especially in our shapes to go lactose free. So uh, that's why for him, dairy is okay is if you can do the lactose free varieties, you don't run into some of these issues that people will will see with dairy. Um, and again, what would be, be an example of that? What's a lactose free cheese? Um, well, low, like a lower lactose um, cheese could be like even like a Parmesan or the dried cheeses. Um, uh, I'm trying to think like oh, cottage cheese is better. Sometimes I've seen that too. People say because there's more water content. Or... Yeah, it's a great, great, great source of protein. Um, yeah. So again, you know, it's it's really is moderation with with what you're doing. Okay. But or even like the Greek yogurts. I know again, mm. it's still dairy, but I think everybody just has to. That's the thing with protein is it, it really is up to each individual. And and even vegetarians, they can do the egg whites or um, well, yeah, or or the dairy. You know, it does get a little bit harder with vegans to find lower mm. carbohydrate protein. Yeah. Sources, oh, you know, like that's the hardest. That is, it is tough. Um, but even you know, soy-based stuff um works well or pea protein powders and stuff for that group. So there are always ways, you know, you really can adapt a zone to to whatever your diet philosophy okay. is, even for people that don't like dairy or really feel um that it's not something they want to use, you know. Okay, but one other thing too, I just don't overlook this again, and I know there, you know, today there's an army of people who are gluten free, mm -hmm. you know, because of, for various reasons. But yeah. but basically, bread and wheat that's a no no on the zone. Is that right? I mean, even if you even if you're balancing everything else, I mean, say if you have your scrambled eggs, no English muffins or toast on the side because that puts you out of the zone. So I never like to say that there's no food you can't eat in the zone. Okay. Uh, you know, so you really, you can eat all foods. And even on our website, we have a list of- um, I know there's the Wasa crackers. I'm not sure Yeah, what those are much. great. Yeah, they're what, lower. What is that? That's like- It's just, just like, like a fiber type of cracker and it's lower, uh, uh, you know, it's got low, low, lower carbohydrate. That, doesn't taste like cardboard or anything. It's like, you know- No, they have certain varieties that are better than okay. others. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> So, but, but no, and even like Dr. Sears will say, look, you're going out to eat and you want a hamburger. Like- get rid of half of the bun, use just one half of the bun, or okay. you want to like, um, you know, have a sandwich, just again, take off one slice, you know? So, okay. He, so he's all right with that. He's, he's like, okay you know. in moderation. I mean, cause if you look at how much carbohydrate, especially when it comes to vegetables, you can eat in a meal. I mean, you could eat like three and three quarters of a cup of asparagus at dinner for all of your carb serving. So obviously if you want to split that up and have, um, you know, a little bit of rice, that's okay. I mean, of course it's higher glycemic. So we prefer two thirds of your plate of fruits and vegetables and you treat starches as condiments, but 
everything can fit. You just have to kind of work your magic to. What I, I like that term because he uses that for fat sometimes too. Because I think over the, the years too, I love avocados mm-hmm. and uh, and I like nuts. And sometimes you know you you kind of go overboard because you like right. saying, "Oh, this is really healthy for me." So I like the term condiment. But what does that mean? I mean, a condiment the way I think of it is that you sprinkle it on your food. Right, so how do right. you can it's still you can't exactly sprinkle. Uh, yeah, well, even beans. Beans are beans are great. Um, they're still a little bit higher glycemic compared to some of yes. you know Brussels sprouts and stuff. So we'd say like you could have like a quarter of a cup at a meal. You okay. know, sprinkle it into a salad and stuff. So you can still have it. Or um, rye breads like lower glycemic or sourdough. So there's also certain types of bread uh, when you you know the ones that have fiber in them where you can you get a little bit more bang for your buck. Okay, because you just gave me a great idea, and I want to get. I better talk to Doctor Sears about this because I think I better have to get. I should get a, a, a royalty on this. You know, <laughs> most of us don't think about really measuring our food. I mean, it just seems too inconvenient. Yeah. Yep. Although what really impressed me is I've read athletes really do this. They have like weighing machines. They're mm-hmm. really looking at this because obviously their performance is key. But I just thought it would, really, it would be really amazing if there was some type of like, quote, measuring cup that actually like we are pouring in quickly to see how much uh, of, of portions you're getting. Because, again, what you're really saying, Mary, which I, I think is important you know, portion size matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, again, some of these people that go on paleo, or keto, or whatever they're eating, these, you know, I know sometimes the paleo people are eating like 16 ounce steaks and they're wondering, like, how come I have heart disease or right. I, I don't feel good? I mean, it's just, you know, they're not, they're saying, oh, I'm just, I'm avoiding bread. I should, you know, um, I'm going to lose weight, but they don't. So uh, I, I think that's just really important. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, going back to portions is, you know, one of the one of the things Dr. Sears always talks about what I think, which I think is actually a really good way to kind of judge portions is, is really to like look at your plate and think about the protein size being about the, the size and thickness of the palm of your hand. And everybody can do yeah, that. You I don't agree. need to bring any tools or anything That's with true. you, you know, fill the rest of the plate with two thirds of your fruits and vegetables, ideally veggies, but you know, or condiment size portions of your starch. And like, you know, the size of your fingertip is about what you should have in fats, whether it's a drizzle of olive oil, the size of your fingertip. I know. No, it's not a t- at least on the oil on the oil side, you know, because it really? little goes a okay, long well, way. We're going to get to that about olive oil and, and the inflammatory. Okay, all right. Let's move on to lunch. Mm-hmm. And this was a little bit surprising to me looking at the zone meals because I was looking at it and Lynn had all these creative recipes which she had gotten from this other person. But, you know, I was like a little surprised that there wasn't a lot of greens or salads. Now, I'm not saying she's against it. It just wasn't in mm-hmm. the uh, – the the plant the you know the zone diet plans so you know what's the role of greens and all this because again from my holistic functional background it's important I mean there's obviously a lot of things in there and it does fill you up yeah so anyway what are some good lunches you know again think about think about the typical person today you know they you know lunch is a kind of a food on the run most people. Don't prepare their own lunches. You know, the, I mean, the ones that were at work and everybody's hybrids, maybe they are preparing their lunch. But uh, yeah. what's, what's the, you know, if you're at your office and you get your lunch break, I know myself, what's, what's you know, again, some good options. Yeah. So and especially my- for energy wise, too, because remember, you, you can, you know, you're not sitting down like, you know, uh, you know, the, the king of England and going to have this huge buffet and go back and take a nap. You got to go back and do work. Right, right. So, you know, my go to lunch if I'm at the office and I'm yes. running out is always, always a salad um, because I can get 
you know, I can get chicken on top for protein if I want. Hey, if I want to splurge, I can get steak tips, which are not the most zone favorable, but hey, sometimes you want to, you know. Why, why, why not? Why because they're, they're higher in saturated fat and they have arachidonic okay. acid. So, you know, red okay, meat is really, it. you know, we, we definitely tell people to kind of uh, watch Do how that. much they're consuming. But okay. on a lunch salad, you're not getting a ton, especially if you're doing it takeout or to go. Right. Um, but I think that's kind of one of the easiest ways. And then I always get the dressing on the side. And even if it comes with a little bit of bread, just have half of it. You know, right, if it comes with like right. a, a pita or something, take half. And there you have a ton of carbohydrates from the bread, all of the veggies and the protein. And then if you get a vinaigrette dressing, you have the oil there and it's kind of the perfect meal, you know, and then you feel like you've got something substantial because you have a little bit of the starch, the veggies, the protein. And mm. um, so I kind of think that's like a, you know, an easy to do, uh, you know, grab and go meal or even like the low carb wraps. Again, uh, you know, we really do. What, what will be? Yeah, what would be a low carb? I, like, I used to like wraps a lot. I kind of try to stop eating them. But so when you say a low carb wrap, so let's say you get some grilled chicken and they fill mm-hmm. it with some lettuce and tomato, da da da. But the wrap itself is that an issue or it's so it's be? again, it's not not the most ideal, but it is a good vehicle to fill it with veggies. And they have wraps that are like eighty calories. You just have to pay attention to the carbohydrates. You know, um, that's a big thing. So we. Dr. Sears has over the years kind of looked at some blocks and stuff and, you know, look to see if it's about nine grams or less of carbs and, um, you know, on the label, and then you can add in a bunch of veggies to it, some protein and, you know, uh, kind of have that. And again, we're really, it's moderation with those because they're, they're considered more starchy, but for somebody who still wants to have a, a sandwich, that's is better a, than is, two pieces of white bread. Well, I was about to ask you, is a wrap, you know, maybe if you're lucky, a whole wheat wrap, a spinach wrap, is that better than, you know, having turkey on rye, you know, kind of thing? <laughs> you have, you do have to look at portions because some of the wraps, you know, they, sometimes they'll call a wrap. That's one of those big ones. They'll call it two servings. And then you're getting like 50 to 60 grams of carbohydrates. So avoid those, but mm. the smaller ones are um, like Joseph's has like a lower carb wrap. Just, you know, look at the labels. Um, mm. And if, if the wraps under a hundred calories, you're probably okay using it as a starch and then just having, you know, a bunch of veggies to, to fill it with. Okay. All right. And then let's get, is dinner the same thing? Or is there a different thought process because it's later at night that you should eat lighter? I mean, I just, I'll have to make the old saying, remember, you know, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince and dinner like a pauper. Is is that, is there any... You know, validity to that, or um, do you we're, guys care? We're probably pretty consistent with meals. We, you know, we we kind of tell people to gauge for about twenty five grams of protein at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, you know, twenty to twenty to twenty five, depending on male and female. And that's going to be a deck of cards size of yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Four, like three to four ounces of protein mm-hmm. for for women and men. And um, you know, for dinner, I think that's where you can you can have salmon or you know, and a bunch of grilled vegetables. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and if, if you want to have again we don't encourage alcohol but i think it's important for people to know that these foods fit so if you want to have a glass of wine do four ounces and just make sure you have some protein with it make it part of your meal and don't do dessert and don't do starches at that meal so you really can fit in everything you like um into the zone which is nice okay um one of the things i'm gonna like you know again dr sears snacks i mean he even has the i'm a snacker and i but i've had to adapt so but i think he allows a relatively late night snack uh so let's clarify this yeah he used to recommend the touch-up snack and i think you know 
not that he's changed his tune about that. I think he still recommends it, but it's also if you're eating and kind of want to cut it off for, for people that are into more of the time restricted, yeah. I think he'll say, Hey, after dusk, you know, kind of shut it down and that's okay. But there are definitely people with blood sugars, um, you know, issues where it, it is kind of nice to have a little bit of that touch up snack. And I'm, we're not talking a lot. It's like seven grams of protein, like a hundred calorie snack, like nothing too crazy, a little bit of cottage mm-hmm. cheese, you know, um, right. again, I know I'm, I'm t- talking about dairy, but, uh, um, or even like a half a bar that's got like the right balance of protein to carb. Yeah. Yeah. I'm again, I, I, I find I'm definitely one of those people that loves having that like after dinner snack yeah. or even a little bit late. So I'm not hungry yep. going into, um, you know, going into the evening, I think it's also um, I, a habit for some people too. So it's it, like, it is. I, know, I've actually it, tried to I've tried to alter that. I mean, you can will yourself through that. I, I've tried to, you know, um, change that habit. You know, because again, there's a lot of saying now that um, that this type of, you know whatever, it's not good to eat late at night, your liver needs, right. you know, I just, I did a podcast with somebody who's very interesting on circadian rhythm. And mm-hmm. they said, you know, naturally our bodies really want to detox or what they call autophagia in the evening. Um, so, uh, but I, you know, you know, I guess it's some kind of balance and, but I think you yeah. can train yourself a little bit. Um, but again, I thought it was interesting that, you know, again, I think Dr. Sears felt like, you know, what you're going into the evening, you're not going to be mm-hmm. eating for eight hours. Yeah. It might be a good idea to have something to, again, help yeah. steady. And what, what would be uh, some acceptable late night snacks? Would they be more lit, tilting toward proteins versus carbs? You know, what would be, you know, you know it still has the same balance, still has a little bit of the a protein. whole balance for the snack. Still, yeah. Um, so, you know, you always have a little bit of protein and carbohydrate. Um, so I think it's up to you. You know, and the, the one thing I think that it's important to say too, is if, if that snack that you have at night is going to be a gateway to, to completely overdoing it, you know, to your point earlier about nuts, then maybe you just don't have it. You know, it, I think you, sometimes you have to pick your battles. If that hormonal touch up snack is going to be enough that it's going to, you're going to open the cabinet and start eating everything in sight. Cause a lot of people, the nighttime is a, is a huge trigger for them. Then I think that's where you kind of know who you are and maybe at dusk, that's when you just say, I'm, I'm done for the night. And uh, my next meal is, is breakfast. Yeah. I think the deadly thing, you know, which most people have to realize is, is that, and I, I am totally guilty of this too, especially during stressful times is that yeah. at the end of a day, you plop down in front of the TV and yep. you're watching the news, which can definitely, you don't even realize it's oh, yeah. stressing you out. <laughs> Are they going to indict Trump? Are they going to, you know, yeah. is the war going to be over, you know, and, mm-hmm. and well, before you know it, you're like, I need my coffee. I need some snacks, you know, because otherwise I can't settle down. And it's just better to whip out a book, you know, <laughs> listen to a podcast like this one. That's right. And you know what? And uh, you'll be on the road to uh, getting through it. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And the last thing before I get to the key stuff about the anti-inflammatory stuff. So calories count, right? I mean, it, and when I say, you know, there's some programs like, you know, like, well, for example, Weight Watchers, which I, I never really knew a lot about. People swear by it. I mean, sometimes I look at the food selections, I'm like, they let you have lasagna on a weight loss program, but they go, oh, it only has two points on my thing. I, you know, so, but, so we would agree that even on the zone diet and being in the zone, calories count. I mean, you have to watch within reason. Um, is that right? Yes. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the zone is, it's a calorie restricted diet, but I also think where it differs from other plans where might, they might say, Hey, you have 1200 calories. 
we really are focused on what you're eating. Um, because you know what, if your diet is all carbohydrates, you're raising insulin, you know, you need protein because it helps to, you know, secrete glucagon and like fats play an important role in insulin control too. So, um, I would just say that a calorie is not a calorie. So calorie restriction is important, especially with weight loss. But I think, you know, you still have to focus on what those types of calories are. I've also worried too. I'm just curious. I think Dr. Sears would probably agree with you. You know, some of these programs like the keto, they're like basically like zero carb diets, which Mm -hmm. I don't think is healthy. I mean, I just know they always talk about ketosis being healthy for people. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I still can't wrap my head around that because again, when I did my internal medicine training, you know, I mean, I know diabetics, they would go into ketosis. That was Mm -hmm. like dangerous. So absolutely, carbs are important, just the right ones in the right amount. You know, that's the takeaway message on- uh... Yeah, because if you think about it, you eliminate carbohydrates, you're eliminating all of these fruits and vegetables, all the vitamins and minerals. And um, and they just had this study come out about, you know, the rise in cancers for, for people under 50, which they contribute to a more westernized processed diet. And and once you start eliminating that, and I know this is your background too, the gut micro, you know, the microbiome and stuff, like you really impact all of that gut bacteria by yes. eliminating the fruits and vegetables. So it's not good over the long term. And, you know, we had even done a study comparing the zone to the keto diet and you see the cortisol levels rise on, on following keto. And, you know, so it's just, um, it's not, and it's also not sustainable. You know, the zone is really, it can be a lifestyle choice. It doesn't have to be something you go on and off. And I think that's what happens when there's moderation, when you go to one extreme or the other, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to stick with over the long term. You know, I remember a friend of mine, it's actually a doctor. This is, but this is, many years ago, uh, he was trying to lose weight and he was getting like zone meals delivered to them. Do they still do that? I mean, or they, you, can you get it in the supermarket or something? Cause like if people don't want to think at all, they're like, I want this all, you know, you know, people want sometimes something very regulated and made easy for them. Is that something that they, the zone uh, research guys still do? So we don't have the meal delivery piece of it. Um, we did used to have that uh, in, I remember, in, back yeah. in the day. Um, but we do have products that help it make it easier to get to the zone. We do sell bars and we have shakes. Um, and, uh, you know, so the, we, we make it and we have pasta too that um, is not traditional pasta. It's protein pasta. And we've done clinical trials to show it actually lowers insulin resistance. So it's not, it's not your classic um, pasta. So we do have products that help make it easier for people who just want to not have to think as much. Um, and, you know, with even like the meal delivery, though, I think so many of these places now you can kind of customize what you want. So as long as you know the principles of the zone, I think you can adapt it um, to some of these these delivery programs to make them work for you in the zone, too. Let me ask you, too, from your dietary background or in some ways your culinary background, how do you, you know, when people say, I, I just love my pasta with tomato sauce, you know, from my favorite Italian place, you know, whatever they make it, it's got a zillion calories and whatever, and it gives them a heartburn, but they love it. Yeah. So how, how do you tell people, do you sometimes tell them, which I tell my patients, you know, your taste buds are going to change in a good way, you know, mm-hmm. um, but how do you get them to, to enjoy eating? Yeah. So, well, if you um, lived near Dr. Sears, he actually takes his zone pasta to the restaurant with them and has them prepare it for him using their sauces and all their stuff and their veggies. And um, so you can do that too. Uh, I know people don't always feel comfortable, but uh, I mean, he is a product of the zone, so uh, he will bring everything with him, but um, you know, wait, wait, the restaurant doesn't throw him out. (laughs) No, he'll like have it. Literally he has it in a Ziploc bag and he's like, you use my fusilli to, you know, make this on 
entree of yours. And uh, <laughs> and nobody, I didn't know I, this. <laughs> I have traveled with him several times and no one has even blinked an eye at it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, you really can make it work for you. But, you know, I think that's where maybe the first step is having some of it, but, you know, watching the portion. So, so maybe you figure out how to have your carbohydrate or the 40% of your meal come from that pasta and then you balance it with, you know, chicken sausage or something else, or, you know, salmon, uh, you know, and you, you make it work for you. Um, cause you can still have the foods. It's just, you know, the, the portion is, and, but you are right. You eventually, you kind of adapt and you start to realize how your body feels once you yeah. give it healthier choices. Um, sure, and you feel better. So it's very reinforcing, yeah. you know, so and, okay. and it takes, a, it takes, it takes a while. So yeah, I appreciate that. Okay. Let's move on to the other component, which again, as I said, later on when I revisited Dr. Sears work, because as I said, I, I, I must've bought the zone diet, you know, whatever it was 20 years ago when it came out, because I, I was like interested in different things. And then later on when I, um, you know, was kind of getting more again back into functional holistic medicine and examining a lot of diets, his diet came back up. But this time he was publishing other things. He was calling like the Omega Zone and some other, you know, some of his other books where I realized, oh my gosh, he's really focusing now, not so much on weight loss, but on anti-inflammatory diets, which were getting a lot of, you know, attention. So I guess my first question is, well, let's get it because you started to talk a little bit about supplements. Now, and Dr. Sears in that, in that book, The Omega Zone, really the whole book is like a whole, you know, praise on fish oils. So maybe we should start with with that a little bit, and and also into the actual dietary meals. So again, you're on that research unit of his. What what is that like? Are we are they telling patients that you okay follow the zone diet, but take you know, fish oils, I don't know, once or twice a day. How is that working? So, you know, there's different levels with the zone too. So for, for somebody that just wants the, the quick and easiest way to kind of get some of their blood parameters in range, we'll just say, hey, supplement with the fish oil and, and our polyphenols. So, um, you know, and even in Dr. Sears' first book, he always talked about the benefit of, uh, you know, the grandmothers giving the cod liver, you know, tablespoon right. as you go. So omega-3s have always been something he's talked about from the start. But I think then as he got into this process of using his background in lipid technology to kind of create the, the fish oils and the purity, it really has been something now that's stuck from the anti-inflammatory. So we always just tell people to, we recommend the, the omega-3s and the polyphenols, which essentially are from fruits and vegetables. We tell them to take it daily. Like that's the easiest thing you can change in your diet and then just gradually work on the, the diet it, itself. But those omega-3s are so important and people aren't consuming enough fish and just with everything now with the impurities and stuff. And, and with the clinical side, you know, we're, we're giving people high doses, like seven and a half grams of EPA and DHA. Um, so it, it, purity and potency is utmost, um, importance. And I think he's really led the industry there. You know, our, our standards are lower, um, than GoEd and some of these other organizations. Um, you know, he's really worked hard to make sure we're, we're one of the purest brands out there. Um, just because we're really using it in clinical research. Yeah, I think that's really important what you just mentioned. And I want to emphasize that because I've read this now from a lot of people really concerned about fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as I enjoy certain fishes and um, it's uh, kind of ironic, I'll never forget this, you know, Dr. Oz, uh, who's a big guy and was he, he actually mentioned this on his show. He was for a while eating a lot of small fishes that you wouldn't think would be an issue like sardines Mm -hmm. and he became ill over time it turned out he basically had mercury poisoning Mm -hmm. so um you know as much as we read how much how great you know 
certain fishes are that are high in the omega-3s mm-hmm. like salmon and probably sardines. And um, yeah, I think that people have to be careful. So the idea that you can get this through a distilled product, mm-hmm. if in fact it really is mercury-free and, and healthy, which I, I have to tell you, I've spoken to some people who are still very, very concerned, even with the products. Yeah. Because uh, how do they make it? They crush the fish up, I believe, and get the oils out of them. So Yeah, and then it goes through a purification yeah, process. So, yeah, so... Um, all right. So with a, a, let's say a patient that comes that has a, a history, uh, and, and I know he goes through this a little bit, but mm-hmm. a patient that has a history of say some kind of autoimmune disease, whether it's, you know, rheumatoid arthritis or psoriatic arthritis, whatever, what would he typically recommend? Would you implement with the fish oils to their diet and any other special um, restrictions to their diet? Would you say, you know, you know, would you have them tighter, you know, because they have a medical illness. This is not now somebody who's just trying to stay healthy. This is someone that has a medical problem. Yeah. So we, one of the things we always encourage people when they're starting to do is to do um, what we call our cellular inflammation test. And and essentially what it looks at is two markers in the blood. It looks at your level of of arachidonic acid, which kind of shows the level of pro-inflammatory foods that you're consuming and the level of EPA, which comes from fish and fish oil. And um, Dr. Sears has based a lot of his data on the Japanese population. So we like to level between 1.5 to 3. They have the lowest uh, lowest mortality rates from cardiovascular disease. So there's a lot of research to back up um, the ranges and stuff that he looks at. But that's always our starting point. I'm sorry, and then, again, I'm sorry Mary. This is really yeah. important. And I want to yeah. – because I, I did learn a lot from Sears, Dr. Sears' book, especially that Omega Zone. So you said you're looking at the arachidonic acid. Yeah. To what was to the ratio? I, uh, so, and then to, we look at that compared to EPA, which is icosapentaenoic acid. Right. Okay. So now I just want for the listeners to know this. And again, even for myself as a physician, you know, you can only imagine, I don't think I've ever seen a doctor order those tests. I think they're hard yes. to get. Um, but you guys in the, in the clinical research are looking at that. That's, that's like a, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe with the, maybe with the Cleveland or Boston heart, labs. I wonder if they do that. But so this is important, you know, I mean, because, you know, everybody focuses on cholesterol, HDL, Mm -hmm. LDL. And one of the things I really learned from Dr. Sears, which I've told patients a lot of times who always worry about their cholesterol, it's really fascinating. I mean, he shows the ratio. He says, as he he points to the the Asian Japanese literature that, in fact, they don't even look at cholesterol. They look at the HDL um, to triglyceride ratio. Mm -hmm. And if that's close to one to one, that's ideal. They don't care what the cholesterol is. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So you're saying you're looking at the arachidonic acid to the EPA and want that one and a half to three range showing that there's less inflammation. So again, you might expect a patient with rheumatoid arthritis or some type of autoimmune disease, maybe they're their ratio is seven or something yeah. like that. And I'll tell you that most people before they even start supplementing or most Americans around 20, you know, so we'll see some what? pretty high. Their ratio is at 20. That, because the diet, the one, they're not getting enough omega-3s um, in the diet and, and two, um, just the amount of processed foods and stuff is, is a right. bit high. Wow. And we, um, to your point with the test, you know, several years ago, uh, we collaborated with the lab and now we offer the test um, through Zone. So if people ever wanted the test, they can get it through us just because Dr. Sure thought it was so I, know, I remember you mentioned this. So, so how does that work? So because you're not a, a lab, I mean, no, say if I have a patient that I want to do it, they have to go to the website and then you send a kit to them and they have to have mm-hmm. it drawn or something. So how does that work? It's great because what we've seen in the clinical data that if you actually do a blood draw, the ratio is pretty comparable. It has a really high correlation to just doing a whole like a finger stick test. So we actually offer the finger stick test hmm. um, and then you ship it, you know, we ship it to you. You do a 
stain, you know, a little fingerprint, really? put the blood on the card, and then you have your emailed results in one to two weeks. So we really make it easy for people to do it. And then based on, you know, the data, we know that it's got a really strong co correlation. We look at the absolute values of the arachidonic acid in EPA. And um, between that and um, if you were to do a venous puncture, there's a little bit of variability, but the ratios pretty much come out the same. So we feel really confident um, being able to offer a test in a quick way. This for is super important. You know, I, yeah. I know so many of my patients, you know, because I do see with autoimmune conditions are, you know, there's really not a great way to, to follow them. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. their CRP is elevated, rarely their ESR. So this is a very interesting thing. So, okay, so let's say you have a patient that has a 20 to one ratio. Mm -hmm. What would you typically recommend for the fish oils for them? How many a day, you know? So we always start with four, which is our, our wellness dose. So that's that's the the starting point. Um, and then what we'll have people do is is retest, you know, within 30 days. Because the beauty of the omega-3s is they, they only last in your blood about 48 hours. But within 30 days, you have a pretty good sense of what that dosage um, will do to your blood. And then from there, we just kind of titrate. So we'll go, you know, add a couple more capsules and see what the blood works like. So we kind of hit the sweet spot. And then as we're doing that, we're also trying to work on the diet. So trying to get them to lower or, you know, the arachidonic acid, whether it's through the meats or the dairy or um, the types of fats they're using. How then, do they take it? Do they take it all at once? Does it have to be with with the meal? Should it be on an empty stomach? I'd like to really know some specifics. How, again, when you're so, telling patients. I always tell people to take it when they're going to remember because really the consistency is key. It's, but it typically we'll tell people to like take it in the morning. You can take it with food to help the absorption, but you, there's really not a need. You, to split it up over the course of a day. If huh. you were somebody that was doing, you know, the seven and a half grams or taking like a higher dose, you could yeah. split it between morning and evening. Um, but sometimes it's a slippery slope with people to remember to take it. And I think the benefit really comes from the consistency. What, what is, when you say seven and a half grams, what is four pills? How many grams is that? So that's about 3000 milligrams of EPA and DHA, at least of our oil, I'll say, because it varies a lot yeah. in the marketplace. That's 3000 of each one of no, total, total of 3, EPA 000. and DHA. Oh, I'm sorry. E um, DHEA and e EPA. Yeah, so it's three thousand milligrams EPA and DHA. DHA. Mm -hmm. And that would be very hard to get, obviously, from eating fish. You'd have to eat a lot oh, of fish. A lot of fish, and right, you have to eat it daily. And it goes back to yeah. your point about do the uh, the capsules. Do they taste like really fishy, or they're not too bad? The capsules are fine, um, and the liquid obviously it is fish oil. And we don't. The one thing you have to be careful of too is we don't put. Um, we use a little bit of lime and rosemary to kind of stabilize the oil, but you have to be weary of uh, liquids that you know add a lot of flavoring because that oxidizes the oil, um, which is not good for you. So. Uh, we don't, so ours does taste like fish, our oil, you our know, fish I, oil I, liquid. So I, I, I tell you go capsules instead, cause you're not going to taste you know, it. The capsules are important. No, I'll yeah. tell you a funny story. Cause again, back, this was a while ago when I, I had purchased some of the fish oils through Dr. Sears's company, through the zone company. And <laughs> well, you know, to try to remember sometimes, you know, I'd stick it in my pocket and say, okay, I'll oh, eat it at lunch, whatever. Right. You know, you know where I'm going with this. So one day I come home and my wife's like the, um, Washing machine stinks. <laughs> and it's like, yes. why? What's, what's going on? What happened here? You know? And she goes, I don't know. And I'm like, oh no, I left one of the capsules in my pocket yes. and went through the yep. works. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, Even with my kids, I like watch them like a hawk to make sure they don't spill it because they take the liquid official and I'm like, don't spill it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, okay. So this was a lot of good stuff here. Um, what about, you know, 
you know, because again, you know, and I like the Dr. Sears tends to emphasize that the carcinoids, you know, mm-hmm. um, he basically likes to call them the immune hormones, which I think is a great analogy. Yeah. There are other foods, you know, like obviously in the fruit and vegetables that we talk about the polyphenols that have supposedly a lot of quote, antioxidant benefit. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, for a while, pomegranate juice emphasized big time, you know, but it's a lot of sugar. Mm-hmm. So what is the, you know, I mean, I guess what I want to ask is that does the zone, like some other diets, like emphasize any superfoods or really there's no such thing? It's balance and... Yeah, so so the diet itself, we probably, if you if you look at like what we recommend, we're probably about 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day, just in what we recommend with the eating plan. Um, and that just, you know, the one thing about polyphenols is they're great for gut health. Um, right. There are a couple polyphenols we focus on a bit more than others. Um, one is cocoa. We, ha- we look at cacao. And the reason for that is it's been shown in studies, it's only about 15% of it is absorbed, but it has really good clinical data on um, some insulin markers, on the um, vasodilation. Um, and so that's one, one that we focus on. And the other is maki berry. Um, and this is a, you know, Chilean fruit. Um, that's where we get the, our berries from, but it, it basically is in the family of blueberries, strawberries, raspberries. Um, but the one thing about maki is at least in the powder form that we have it, if you actually open a capsule and, you know, mix it with water, you'll see that it all blends in. So it actually is absorbable in the body. Whereas most other polyphenols, if you put it in water, you're just going to see it float to the top. And that just shows the difference between the absorbability of, of polyphenols um, and even in what you're eating. So the ones that are not absorbed are great for gut health. They kind of nurture the good gut bacteria. And then um, with the maki berry and the stuff that's rich in delta and anthocyanins, um, they have a bit more ability to get into the blood. Um, and, and the benefit there is that it, studies have shown like with the maki, it helps like oxidative stress and blood sugar control. So, um, but there's 8,000 different polyphenols. So again, it's, you know, uh, variety I think is, is huge, especially with the diet too. Mm-hmm. What about also beans? I like beans, you know, in, in days or, mo- mm-hmm. or meals that where I just don't feel like having meat, like I'm tired of chicken and I don't eat mm-hmm. a lot of red meat and I have to be really in the mood to eat fish, you know? So yeah. sometimes I really like beans because they, they kind of fill me up. What do we have to watch with that? Is that are they tend to be too, uh, they do have protein, but they also have carbohydrate or yeah, like garbanzo see. beans, black beans, you know, all these things. And especially even in soups what, mm-hmm. or hummus, for example, too, which is, a, you know, yeah. legume, good, yeah. bad, you know, we like we do like beans in the zone. We do watch um, the portions yeah. just because they can be a little bit higher glycemic. But I think on on people that are trying to come up with different protein sources, I think don't forget there's certain high protein vegetables too. You know, not not a ton, but broccoli, cruciferous vegetables, asparagus. Like they're all great vegetables and they have some added protein. So if you did that with some beans and stuff, you know, you're you're at least trying to bump up the the protein content in that meal, which is nice. What about rice and beans? You know, that's a big Mexican thing. Is that too high carbs in most of the cases? Because they're really like, it's like yeah. a little bit of beans, a lot of car, a lot of rice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they good. push it a lot because it gives you all the amino acids that you need and the essential well, that, right. amino acids. Right. Well, Dean Ornish used to say that. He used to yeah. say the perfect meal, you know, in a exactly. vegetarian meal was rice and beans. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. It seems like you can gain a lot of weight eating something like that. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely a little bit too high glycemic for the zone. Sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> Last question other? I want to get to you is what about... And I have to address this all the time with my patients because I understand. What about cheat days? You know, let's say let's say you're going along in the zone and you lost 10 pounds, 20 pounds. Your markers are looking good. You're feeling really good about yourself. And it's like, oh, I said, oh, I'm going out for dinner with my friends. Or I got this party and I go out of the zone. Mm-hmm. How long does it take to get back in the zone? I mean, 
you know, does it take a day or two? Is it, did, if, you know, people always say, if I do this, did I mess up everything for the last month? You know, the whole yeah. thing. So I don't always love the idea of like a cheat meal. I think you should be able to eat what you want, obviously in moderation, but if if you're going to go, of course, if you're going to go out tonight and have a slice of pizza, have a slice of pizza, you know, and just, we always say, just get back on track at your next meal. Cause it really is about that insulin control. So Mm. you're as good as your next meal. So just pop back on, get in. So it's really right. So, so basically what you're saying is that, um, you know, people get into trouble when they fall what we're like off the, you know, off the grid, meaning like they, they start having pizza and beers or whatever that, you know, you know, whatever. Yeah. But but they have that cheat day or that they, they enjoy themselves. Yeah. I, you know, I tell patients this all the time. I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but you know, look, we all have those urges and you know, and when it gets to be strong, you're like, just do it because you know what? You, you know, enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. then go back because I, I know myself that like I always tell patients, you know, I'm, and I'm honest with them because, you know, I promote a lot what's called the candida yeast free diet a lot because it, it's very similar to zone in some ways. Mm-hmm. It, it just really helps their microbiome and their gut. Yeah. But I notice even myself, like if when I start to quote cheat or go off the things that mm-hmm. I know I feel good, I start to not feel good. Mm-hmm. And that's enough to like say, okay, you know, I'm not doing this for a while. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it was fun. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't deprive myself, but you know, I want to feel good. That takes precedence over everything. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just, I think when you start doing this whole on off thing, it just kind of sets you up for, for binging and not binging. And I, yeah. I think you just, I think it's just easier to kind of eat what you want, figure out the balance. And that's right. why I'm always trying with people to take little steps at a time. Hey, start with your protein. Let's swap some of these yeah. carbs for these carbs. So I think, cause then it's more of a lifestyle and then you just figure out, Hey, I can go out tomorrow night and be okay. And not right. have to worry about it and just get right. back to my regular breakfast, you know? So, yeah. um, it's not the whole blow it, throw in the towel idea. Yeah. Well, Mary, this was a terrific conversation. I learned so a lot. I love the nitty gritty of what we went through. I mean, as I said, I enjoy Dr. Sears because he's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. I enjoy his work. Um, where can we send people to learn more about any of the zone programs that are going on? Yeah. So um, people can go to zonediet.com. We have a bunch of resources on there. We have meal planners, how to get started with the blocks, different ways to kind of start the program, depending on where you're at. Um, And also too, um, there's a coupon code people can use. It's called smartest 10, where you can get 10% off your products um, if you purchase. So yeah, check it out. And also anybody can reach me through our website. If you go to the contact us at the bottom, even call our customer support, you can get a direct line to me um, and we can chat. Super. Anyway, again, I hope all the listeners enjoyed this. This really was a treat, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, and again, if you really enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review. We appreciate it. And it helps promote the podcast. Uh, so until next time, stay healthy, stay safe.